Welcome to Moran Talmud, the podcast where we explore the depths of Jewish philosophy through the lens of Moran Avuchim and other great Jewish philosophers. Join us as we delve into the intricacies of the Talmud and gain a deeper understanding of various sugyas in Shas. Uh, I didn't put on yet, but uh, I thought we were going to call tonight the Rambam and the Rogoshova look out the window. Because the question is really, what do they see? And they see two very different worlds, and that's what I'd really like to discuss and see how it, how it affects how they come at Lalocha and how they understand different concepts. So, we, as we discussed last week, just a very short in summary, there's three. You know, there's three um, had three main approaches, there's more, but three approaches that we discussed last week in how to view the problem of universals, how to view the things that are, let's say, general and grouped. What is a horse? Is there such a thing as a horse? So we had, we said that uh, there's this concept of, of Plato, which is what they call extreme idealism, which is that everything exists. There's a perfect horse in somewhere in the, you know, spiritual realm, there's a perfect host, there is a perfect, well, there's a perfect everything, and we're going to discuss that more tonight, that's what we're really going to deal with a bit more tonight, in the, we discussed that there's, and there's a machloik is really in how to learn Aristotle, um, that you can learn what he's, what's, um, you can learn that he learns, a, that he's a moderate realist, which means that he understands that there's that there's a horse, a horse exists, the concept of a horse exists, but it exists within every horse. Which would have enough community if you killed all the horses, there would no be no such thing as a horse anymore in the world. But that also we're not going to discuss so much today. And the last thing is, the last, uh, the last one we discussed was the Rambam, who I think is some form of conceptualist, there is a bit of a discussion what the Rambam is, but the Rambam is some form of conceptualist, which means he understands that Things exist. The concept of a host does exist, but it doesn't exist in the world. It's not real. It's very logical. It's logical to group things, to have a group of hosses. It's logical to group things in certain ways, but they're not real. And he said that, the, uh, so therefore, and, there, and therefore that's how the Rambam learns. Now, the Rambam comes out very kharif. He's very strong against the, the other side of the coin. And he's, he's, very, he's very strong. If you just look on, start on page 2, but just for, for just, just to begin. And, and the way the Rogachova brings it, and he really is, and the Ramam has in Moravachim in Chelek Aleph, Perek Nun Aleph, I didn't bring it here. But he, he's, very, he's, very, he's very strong as people who don't, who believe that things really exist. So as the Rogachova says, yeah, um, so it's on page 2, he says, um, Let's uh, let's just start the last uh, the last uh, the last word of the first line. Begedem Ashkaz of Rambam. What the Rambam writes: Zal b'more b'more in the morning. Vuchim chelagalef perik nunalef in the first chelak, thirty-first perik. Shelag al mishe amar shemetziot v'apratim hem shnei gedorim. Lag lag is a very strong lashon. It's like he's you he's mocks. Yeah, he mocks. He's insulting. There's a stupidity in his eyes to say that 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 the metziot and 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 different things that they two separate that, that that existence and different things are two separate and two separate things. But says the Rogachava, he says the Rogachava, this actually is a discussion, it's a big discussion all over Shas. 
And the Rogotchava comes out and he really, he, he says this Rambam is wrong. And I'll show you how he says this Rambam is wrong, we understand it, and then you can try and understand how the, what the Rogotchava's worldview was, and what the Rambam's worldview was, and how it has many more different makhlaikas, besides what we discussed last week, the concept of Kavua, but I think they would agree in that concept, but how it has, how, how, would, we, how would we have other makhlaikas? So, if we go into page one, the first source, the, the Mishnah says, Kaitsam Nazamim, how do you make a Zimun? What's the Lashon that's used to make a Zimun? Okay, and the, the Mishnah goes through, not to read the whole way, but if you have three, if you have three, you say, let's bless. Okay, and then there's something that we don't have, but if you have three and him, which means you have four, you say, if you have ten, you say, how we do it. If you have ten and him, you say, not really the point of our discussion. Says the Mishnah, if you had, if you have, if you have ten, or you have ten thousand, um, you're always going to say the same thing. That's the Tanakama. Then Rav Yosei Aglili, which is the next shita, says if you have a hundred, you say Nevarich Lashem Lakeinu. If you have, we've just given birth. If you have a thousand, you say Nevarich Lashem Lakeinu Lakei Yisrael. If you have, if you have ten thousand, you say Nevarich Lashem Lakeinu Lakei Yisrael. Okay, it's what Yosef Akrovim Ala Mazon Shachalnu. A whole long thing you add. Okay, you're adding to each one. So by the end, you you're saying uh, the more people you have, the more you say. There's an addition, there's more you say. And if we look into just uh, the, the last, uh, in the, 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 by the last three lines, it talks about the mission, just summarizes for us very nicely. Rabbi Yosegli, Rabbi Yosegli says, By the more people that you have, you, that's, that's how you bless. That's how you, the more people you have, the greater the blessing has to be. You have more people. Okay, then um, Rabbi Kiva says, I'm Rabbi Kiva at the end of the line. Just as we find in a shul, just as we find a shul, whether there's a lot of people or there's only a few people, from when you have ten people, you always say Baruch Hashem. Rabbi Shmuel says you say Baruch Hashem. That's how we say. That's what we answer. But you always say the same. It doesn't matter if you have a minion. If you're the great synagogue of Alexandra that was so big, you have to put up flags, or you a small minion and you have ten people, you're always going to say the same thing. That's Rabbi Kiva holds. Now says the Rogachava that this machlokes between Rabbi Yosi Aglili and Rabbi Akiva, that Ba'etzim is the machlokes of do you hold that specific things, if we can call it, can exist in the presence of a group. So when you have a group, do specifics exist? So now says the Rogachava, the Ramam says, and as we saw last week, he says also in, in Perik, he says first in in Chalikim or Perik Yudchet that there's no such thing as there's no such thing as universal. There's no such thing as a group. There's only there's only specifics. There's only particulars. There's only the protein. There's only individuals. So says the Rogachava. That means the Ramam should go like Rabbi Yosei The more individuals you have, the more the more you should say. When you have ten people, you have ten individuals. When you have a hundred people, you have a hundred individuals. You never create a group. You never create uh, you never, you never create any any type of universal because it's all, it's all in the mind. So it says the Rosh and we hold like Rebbe Kiva. We hold like Rebbe Kiva. Rebbe Kiva holds once you have ten people, ten people creates. You have a group, and now it doesn't matter how many more people you have to that group. You have a group. It says the Rosh it must be that the Rambam's wrong. It must be that the Rambam. He says it's a big machlokes, but the Rambam's picked the wrong side. He's picked the wrong side of this machlokes because. 
over here, Rebecca Kiva holds, you have 10 people, 10 people, 100 people, 10,000 people, you always say the same, because once you have a group, you have a group. And it doesn't matter how big your group is, it's still defined as a group. If in college it's defined as a tzibur. It doesn't matter how big your tzibur is, you've never changed the fact that you have a tzibur. And you have a big group. Well, it's still a tzibur, it's the same group. I have a big person, he's still a person. I have a big host, he's still a host. It doesn't matter how big my group is, it doesn't matter, I have a chetzer called a group. Now, to try and understand this better, I think we have to understand, to understand the Rogachava better, I think we have to try and understand a little bit more of Plato's theory of forms. Okay, and I, and I think because this is how or what, what it would be based on. So, the way Plato, just to talk a little bit, Plato's theory is based on what he calls the allegory of the cave. I mean, he doesn't call it that, but it's called the allegory of the cave. And the basic story is that there were a bunch of people who were stuck in a cave. And they'd never seen the outside world. And they lived their life in a cave. And one day, one of them escaped. And he saw a big world. He saw the sun. He saw trees. He saw all these other things that he never knew existed. So he says, uh, he says like this. In very simple. This person, these people, they lived their life in a very small world. They thought this was the whole world. They lived in a cave. And for them, that was the whole entire world. And nothing else existed. But really, there were things above it. There were things that they couldn't really understand. There were things that were m- more real. Says Plato, that in reality, the, the world we live in, the material world, that's not real. The realest things are, are theories, are forms. They're much more real. In what way are they much more real? He says there's a perfect, there's perfect things in another world. There's a perfect circle. We don't have a perfect circle. It doesn't exist. You can't, uh, you can't make a perfect circle. You can't make a perfectly straight line. You can't make... It doesn't exist. It's impossible to have in this world. You can't have... He says there's a perfect horse. I don't know what a perfect horse would be, but it would be the perfect horse. Today we don't have the perfect horse. I mean, this world, we don't have the perfect horse. So really he has, he has a triangle. My, my drawing's not so good. At the bottom you have the material world. Okay, and that's, that's the lowest form of, of realness. That's the least real thing. That's something that represents, it's a, it's a representation based on a form. It's trying to put, let's call it material, into a form. Okay, but therefore you're never going to have perfection. If you don't have in this world, perfection is not real. The next, the next level we have is what's called lower forms, what he calls lower forms. A lower form is a cat, a dog, a lion, a circle. They are things. Now, those are the perfect examples of those things. They are the perfect examples of, of, of anything. And, that, and that's the most real. So what reality, reality is defined, is, is the higher up we're going, basically, is the more real we're going. The material world, not so real. It's, it's real to us, but it's like we're living in a cave. We can't see the more, the perfection. As you go up, you get higher forms, what he calls higher forms. Higher forms are things like justice, beauty, but it, it, it's much more theory, theory, not uh, it's much more concepts than things. So you have the perfect example of justice, the perfect example of bravery, the perfect example of beauty, whatever it would be. That's the next level. So now, once again, we don't have that in this world. There's no such thing. A person, two people can look at a painting. One will say this is beautiful. The one will say this is ugly. One will say this is genius. The one will say this is my grade three like student who did this. Now no one will know. Everyone's got different opinions because we don't have the perfect example. We don't have something that everyone will look at and say, wow, that's, that's beautiful. Why is real is defined by perfection? 
because the, the more I think the more the more real something is the, the realist let's call it the realist circle that's the only real circle the other what we call a circle is not actually a circle that's what we that's what we identify as a circle because it's close to a circle because our minds can see it as a circle but reality is not a circle what we call bravery might not be bravery might be close to bravery might be adjacent to bravery but isn't the perfect example of bravery so as he goes up he goes up to the next level which is the, the top level what he has the top level is of the concept of good goodness because he says the perfect example of beauty the perfect example of justice the perfect example of bravery, etc., etc., has to leave up. The perfect example has to connect to the perfect example of them, which will always lead up to goodness, because goodness is perfection. Because the perfect, to, if you have the perfect example of justice, it's going to lead up to perfection, which will always be goodness. And that's Plato's theory of forms. Now, on a side point, this concept, it sounds very mystical to me, it's, and happens to be that in a, in a different way, but I think lots of especially the earlier Kabbalah, I don't claim to be understand this stuff at all. But early Kabbalah, lots of it is based on some kind of, are very connected to Platonic and Neoplatonic ideas, in based on this theory of forms, to some degree. As you go up, and the basic Kabbalah is that like a Kodesh Baruch Hu is Ein Sof, or like there's a Kodesh Baruch Hu, then it goes down to Ein Sof, which is some kind of manifestation of Hashem in this world, but that doesn't have, that's infinite, then it slowly, slowly breaks down, but that, it slowly, slowly becomes more finite, and, but that's less real, because real, realness is a Kodesh Baruch Hu, which is infinite, and not in this world at all, and, and somehow that, and the same can be, like, the, the, the similar idea that Baal Shem Tov brings, that, and it's not only in Baal Shem Tov, but the Hasidic thought, it's brought, I think, quite a bit, is that in reality none of us are real, we're all living in like almost a vision of a Baruch Hu. what that means also, we'll leave it for the, for the professionals, but, but, it, it, this, but there is this aspect of like, the world we live in is not real. And also that the letters that Hashem used to create the world are the spiritual core oh. of the objects that come okay. below, which is very... Fantastic, so we, we, we're going we're gonna to get there. So is he saying the more material things are less good? Uh, yeah, the more material things are less good. They're, they're less perfect, they're less real. They're less good. So, I don't know, it depends how you define good, but they must be less good, because they're not perfect, and perfect goodness is some on the top of the Platonic form, is of the Platonic triangle, which you can see here. So that, so that that's, that's the basic idea of Plato's theory of forms. The realness is, the more we go up, the more we get to realness. The Rogachova, I think, based his idea on, on page 2, the second source, is a Medrash in Breshid Rabbah. The Medrash basically says, it's coming off a quote in Mishlei, um, the, 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 the Medrash says that the Torah, okay, the Torah said, if we start the, just read through the English, but the Torah says, I was the tool of Hashem's artistry. Referring to the fact that the king of flesh and blood, who builds palaces in the world, does not do so from his own knowledge but from the knowledge of an artist. What does that mean? Hashem doesn't build things from his own knowledge, he builds them from the knowledge of an artist. What does that even mean? And the artist himself does not, just as the artist himself does not create from his own knowledge, rather from his tools and implements, in order to know how to make rooms, carve designs. Similarly, Hashem looked into the Torah, created the world. And the Torah says, in the beginning Hashem created heavens and earth. What does that mean? So there's the author from Chatim. There's a fatar. And I think it's based on, there's a Miuchas Larashi on this, but I think this is the basic pshat, the way that Rogachov is learning. 
is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when He created the world, He had, let's call it, a vision. He had blueprints. There were blueprints created in the world. Okay? There was a blueprint of the world. Hashem had created blueprints of the world, and He looked into the world, He looked into the blueprints, and then created the world. Of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu had also created the blueprints of the world, different to our artist in the, in the Medrash. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu looked at the blueprints, and from there He created the world. And the more, the further down we go, that, that, that's what he had. Basically, Hashem looked at the blueprints. He looked at, the, he had a blueprint, let's call it, of a perfect tree. He had a blueprint of a perfect cat, and from there he created the world. That's what we say. He stuck over the right of the Baral, Baruch looked in, into the Torah and he created the world. So, Kharshbalho created blueprints. The further up we go, the further, the, uh, well, the further up we go in the tree, that's how, or the triangle, that's how we get more real, and that's where Kharshbalho created the world from. So, Kharshbalho, everything is based on the Torah. Everything is based on if the Torah says the Torah says you have a tzibur that creates that means there's a real tzibur in and now this by the way this answers one of the big questions on Plato's theory of forms is where do all these forms chill where are they all relaxing what world is this that they're all living in and we now know and like it makes it much easier also to say we have the Torah they're living in the Torah they're all in the Torah because Baruch looked in the Torah looked at his blueprints and created the world therefore you have this reality you have the perfect tzibur. Because Baruch looked at the Torah and in the Torah is infinite wisdom, not so we we as the people we might be the, we might have the book we might have the Torah but we only have a finite because we are finite people we can understand a finite idea in it but there's a perfect there's perfection and that's based on the Torah so the Torah really is let's call is our form is our is our perfect form so now comes along the Rogachov and says when I look at the world I look at the world and I see there's a perfect symbol. Somewhere in the Torah, there's a perfect tzibur. We have a representation in our world of a tzibur, but that's that's a tzibur. That tzibur is real. I look at the, I look at a group of people and I see a tzibur because there's a tzibur that exists, and I see people and I see things. I look at, I look at a hole. I look at something and I see, I see reality. I don't see. A logical take, we say, and this is the difference between the Rogachov and the Rambam. The Rogachov says that the, 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 the Rambam, as we said, looks at the world, sees, sees, doesn't see real groups, doesn't see real things, doesn't see real species or, or, or any type of, uh, any, anything, he, he, no, he sees a thing, but he doesn't see any, any name, he doesn't see, this is a table, it's not really a table, this is this, is this thing. This is this particular. We call it a table because this is the thing that we call types of things that have four legs and a piece of wood. But they don't actually exist. They're not real. They're a logical fiction. That's a very good fiction, as we said. It helps you. It helps you live your life. But you can't live your life. You can't live your life without it. But therefore, Mimela, the Ramam looks at the world and doesn't see that. He sees it only as a logical fiction. The Rogachava says, no, those things are real. A group is real. The concept of tables are real. This might not be the perfect table. I might have to identify how close it is to a table more than how close it is to the perfect chair. This is closer to the perfect table than the perfect chair. But in the end of the day, tables are real. Chairs are real. Cats are real. Horses are real. And a tzibur is real. So says the Rogachava, you the Rambam, how can you tell me that a tzibur, a tzibur is not real? You see here, Rabbi Akiva holds the halacha, a tzibur. We go with the tzibur, we go with this reality called a group. And therefore, once you have a group, you don't look at the pieces and parts. You have a reality called a human. I'm a human being. I'm a human being whether I have five fingers on one hand, four fingers on one hand, I have six fingers on one hand, I'm still the same human being. 
because I'm closer, I'm, the, I'm closer to the perfect form of human being. A horse is, is still a horse, whether it's brown or black, whether it's four legs or three legs, or five legs, which would be our case. If you have five legs, you're still a horse, because it's closer. There is a concept called a horse, and over here we have, there is a concept called a tibur. And therefore, the Robert Shavu comes out, and he says, Rambam is wrong. The Rambam, I'd like to, like to propose, and I think we discussed this a bit last week, but just to talk it out a bit more. The Rambam guy understands, it, understands things differently. And to start with, I'd like to just bring another, another idea that the Rogachova brings connected to this, and just to talk it out. It. So there's a concept like this. The Gemara, also on page one, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says, Vatan Yulens of Brighter, Hamura Hanom Ibn Ha'ir, if one made a netter that he wouldn't get any Hanom from a certain city, from all the inhabitants of a certain city, Imyesh Adam, Shenishtai Sham Yudbeis Chodesh, if there are, if there is a man, who stays there 12 months, also leenos mimenu. That's also to get any hanor from, the, from him, pachot mikan, less than this, muta leenos mimenu. So a person is called a resident of a city if he has lived in that place for 12 months. The Rambam changes two words. Hanor hanor one who makes a neder that he won't get hanor from the inhabitants of a city, he says, and a man comes afterwards and lives there. What, what does it mean comes afterwards? It means even though even though, right now, at the point of, at the point of, uh, at the point of the shvur, he's come, he's not there. But if he comes and he joins, he becomes, uh, he becomes part of the city. So now, so now that now you have, you could say, you could go back to Achakira. Do look at a city as a thing. There exists a concept called a city. Therefore, each individual in the city doesn't exist. He's just a part of a city, the same as my fingers are part of me. The same way as that leg on the table is just a part of the table. It's not like a leg in reality. It's a part of a table. Or do you say that each person exists? Each person is own individual. Elama, that he, he happens to be grouped into a city. And the Ramam here, I think, is saying that even if a person comes afterwards, even if he comes after, I proclaims my city, I will never get Hanor from this city, this specific place. Even though a person comes afterwards, he's still called part of the city. Why? Because, I mean, the answer here is really a discussion in the Dorim that a letter is always a Lashem Naudim. We go after what people call it. Okay, we go after what people, or how people discuss things. And people, when they are talking about the inhabitants of the city, don't only mean right now. They're talking about all the inhabitants of all the time. But if you felt, if you said that the inhabitants of a city was, there's a city and it's a Chetzer and it's real, then it would be the city right now. That is the Chetzer that is real. The Chetzer is the city now. And the Rambam changes this. Why? Because a city is not a halachic concept. A city doesn't exist in halacha. And this is the Yisod of the Rambam. The Rambam holds that none of these things, pratim, individual things, are the, only, are the only true thing, are the only things that are real. But when the Torah comes and mechadish to me, but when the Torah comes and it's mechadish to me, that, that I need to, let's say, group something, that I need to, so then we go, what is my logical fiction going to be? I need to create a logical fiction, we're going to call it the city, as we said last week, even though it's not real, and then I'm going to use it. Only then I'm going to use it, but only because the Torah said it to me. Whereas the Rogachava, so the Rambam's going, let's call it bottom up. The realest things as this world, is a physical world we look at. The Rambam looks out the window, and he sees 
What's real? The table is real. The, that chair is real. That thing, that person. Reality is this world we live in. Whereas the Rogachava looks up out the window and he sees everything from top down. What's real? The Torah is real. Everything else is, is a representation of the Torah. HaKadosh Baruch looked into the Torah and created the world. Yeah, but the person would then become part of the city according to both views, because even according to the Rogachov, the city is just some representation of the greater city, but surely it includes everyone who's in it now. Yeah, so, but, but you, so you could say it like that also, but what proof, why would you be forced to say that? That's really the question. So let me rephrase. What's forcing the Rambam? How does the Rambam know to change from the Loshan of the Gemara? The Gemara says something and the Rambam changes the Loshan. He adds to it. How does he know that? What forces him to say? If you wanted to say that you don't have, that, that, if you wanted to say that you have this concept called the city, what forces you to change it to, you have this concept called the city, and whoever comes after it still becomes part of the city. Maybe I look at the snapshot of the city right now, and that's all that it is. Because right now, this concept of the city included this person. This person was mavatal, let's call it, to the city. But later on when he comes, maybe not. You could say that he becomes battle to the city afterwards, but what forces him at the time? What forces you to say that? And I think what forces you to say that is how you look at the world. Because you could, I think, I think you could say either way, if you learn after Rogachava, you could say either way. And then to change from the Lashon of the Gomorrah, and especially the Rambam, just in the general way that the Rambam works, I think, is that he doesn't change. He doesn't change when, when something's a bit, a bit borderline. He won't change from the Lashon of the Gomorrah. Then he'll just bring the Lashon of the Gomorrah and then leave us to, to deal with the repercussions. He changes from the Lashon of the Gomorrah when, when he's forced to, when he knows that this is true. How does he know this is true? Because it fits in with his worldview. And this is clearly his worldview, I think. So now... So, so now that's what we say. The Rogachava looks from the world, he looks top down. He looks, reality comes from the Torah, and the world is the least real thing. Mimela, Mimela, I'll tell you, there's a, there's a beautiful vote. If we go into Shvuz, and there's a beautiful vote of what, what happened. Of the, the Medrash says that Akkadosh Baruch Hu lifted the mountain on top of Bnei Shol, and he, show, and, and he said to them, and we said, either accept my Torah and you'll live. If you don't accept my Torah, here will be your, your kura, shamti akuraspin. So says the Rogacha, he says, what's pshat? He says, what about you? The big question, the big question everyone asks, how can it be that B'nai Yisrael accepted the Torah out of their own free will? What does it mean we accepted the Torah? We didn't, we got forced into it. Says the Rogacha, a beautiful pshat, he says, do you know what it means that B'nai Yisrael accepted the Torah? Do you know, sorry, do you know what it means that they accepted the Torah because the, uh, Hashem put the mountain on top of them? Hashem showed them, Hashem showed them the reality of the world. He showed them just, how the world really works. We live in this physical world. We don't see how the world really works. The reality of the world is that the world works Alpi the Torah. If you don't keep the Torah, it's not that Hashem comes and punishes you vindictively. The way mechanically that the world works, if you don't keep the Torah, things go wrong. The way mechanically the world works. But why is that true according to the Rogachev? It's only true because the world based off the Torah. We go top down. We go top of the pyramid. Down. Reality is the Torah. Hashem showed us reality. We made it top down. You... And top down, he, suddenly we saw that vision. We can understand that if you don't keep the Torah, here will be a, a, a kvura. But I think definitely that the Ramah will still agree that anytime that there's a halachic error for something, when there's a halachic error, you're still going to create that group. You're still going to create those things. They're still fictional. They're not real. But the Torah told me to do it. Our job is to follow the Torah. And with this idea, this concept, I think we can understand a beautiful, and Cook comes and explains to us a beautiful idea. 
is a Sefer Chinuch. The Sefer Chinuch that's the bottom of page 2. Sefer Chinuch talks out that um, we talk about the mitzvah of Mechiat Amalek, okay, to destroy, to destroy Amalek from the world. And he says this is a mitzvah that's mutal on the, on the whole tzibur. As, as, uh, as the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, three mitzvahs are, were mitzvah to Klai Yisrael, when they came into Eretz Yisrael, one of them is to make a king, one of them is to build the base of Mikdash, and one of them is to destroy the seed of Amalek. So, the question is, and this is a question discussed, question asked by the Sefer Chinuch brings, for some reason I did not copy onto here, but the Sefer Chinuch brings that a person is obligated to do this, even when it's a Sakonah, the Fashas. A person is obligated to, to, to destroy Amalek, even when the Sakonah is the Fashas. And the same is true by any war, any Muhammad, any. And to, to destroy the Zion, the seven nations of Canaan, a person is obligated to do, a person is obligated to to go to war, even though they're going to be in danger. Also, the Chronim, what does that mean? Even if you're not going to give up your life, we know there's only three things that a person is obligated to give up their life for. Avodah Zorish, because Damim and Gilarai. So why, how can it be? Why does no one say? And you know what? There's a fourth one. You have to give up your life to be Mekayim Mechias Amalek. You have to give up your life to be Mekayim Destroying the seven nations of Canaan. So Rav Kook says, he says a beautiful idea. He says the certain mitzvahs, most mitzvahs are given to people, to me as an individual. But certain mitzvahs are given to the nation. And a nation, he says, the Lashon of a tzibur lo mate. A tzibur never dies. Because the nation can never die. The nation, we've got a creation, a nation called Klagishol. That, that will never die. Hashem said, Hashem told us, we'll, we'll always be around. The nation will never die. And it's a concept. It's a hal- it, might be, it can be whether you say like the Ram or you can say it's a fictional concept. You can say like the Rogatram and say it's a real concept, but it's a concept and that concept will never die. So Serge of Cook, he says, Do you know why there's no there's no problem of um, there's no problem of Pikaf Nefesh? You don't have an issue to give up your life. It's not about you. The mitzvah of Vachai Bahim is when the mitzvah is about you. You have to live by the mitzvahs that Hashem gave you. You mustn't die by the mitzvahs that Hashem gave you. But this mitzvah Hashem didn't give you. Hashem gave the nation. The nation mustn't die by the mitzvahs. The nation doesn't. But that's not... You are but a finger. You are, he says, he says, you are a finger. And sometimes the finger has to be cut off for the good of the body. So if you have to be cut off to do the mitzvah, that, that will be fine. Because the v'chaibahim never applies to you. And he says an unbelievable thing. He says, there's the story of Rabbi Yehuda ben Baba. Rabbi Yehuda ben Baba gave smicha. He died and he was killed by the Romans. Giving smicha to a few of his talmidim. Says Rav Kook, do you know how Rabbi Yehuda ben Baba could give smicha to his Talmidim? Because the mitzvah of smicha, which he learns, is a din in the mitzvah of putting shoiktim, making judges on Bnei Yisrael, is not a mitzvah on a private person. It's a mitzvah on Kalal Yisrael. Therefore, even though there's no everything, there's only Pekah Nefesh by three things, Rabbi Yehuda ben Baba gave up his life for, for this concept of shoiktim, to give smicha to, to Bnei Yisrael, to make judges on Bnei Yisrael, even though it's not one of the three. He said, Rabbi Kiva, and he gave up his life to teach Torah. How could it be? There's no mitzvah to give up your life to teach Torah. And me on a private... So he says, you, there's two chiyuvim in Torah. There's my private chiyuv to learn Torah. But there's, there's a chiyuv on Kalalishol to make sure that Torah is never forgotten. Rebekah Kiva was being kind of mitzvah on the chiyuv on Kalalishol to make sure that Torah is never forgotten. A tzibur never does. Because a tzibur is a concept. A tzibur is a... A tzibur is, a, is, not, is, not, a, is not a particular. It's not made up of many particulars. It's not made up of many things. It is one big thing, and, and, and it's one big thing, and if I cut off a piece of this table, it will still be a table. 
and the thing that comes off now will not be a table. And that, that is the same true by Tzibur. And just one last point, and I think from there we can finish off, is that all the, the same, the, the, the Rogachov brings a pasuk in, in Shmois. It's in the beginning of Pasha B'Shalach. In the beginning of Pasha B'Shalach, the pasuk says, Ki hashpeh Ki Okay, it says that I will surely make swear to I will surely make Bnei Israel swear. So it's talking about Yosef. Okay, Yosef made Bnei Israel swear that he would take his that they would take his bones out of out of Egypt. What actually did he do? He made he made his brothers swear that they will make his, their children swear that they will make their children swear that they will make take the bones out of Egypt. As the Mechilt said, Rashi quotes Mechilta, he shpiam He made them swear that they would make their children swear. Ask the Rogachava. He says, there's many other times in the Torah, and there's many other times in Chazal, where Bnei Yisrael swore things. And never do we say that Bnei Yisrael swore something to make the children swear something. What does that mean? So for example, the example just quickly, the example it gives, is, the, is that he gives the example of the Shalash Shavuos, which are the Shavuos that Bnei Yisrael, for example, won't, they won't go up to Eretz Yisrael like a war, and not to go into all the details of Shalash Shavuos, but, but the, he made them, the Bnei Shor swore this. And you don't find that you have to make a children swear. He says, what's the difference? He says, before Matan Torah, there was no concept of Kalal Yisrael. There was no Tzibur. It didn't exist. Because the concept, the only concept of, klal, of a Kalal exists within the Torah world. The Torah world defines the concept of a Kalal as Kalal Yisrael, as people that have the Torah. That is our definition of what we define as a Kalal. In the Rambam, it works even better. Because the Rambam says there is no such thing as a Kalal. Only the Torah makes us a cloud. But even in the Rogachava, the cloud, the Tzibur, doesn't exist unless we create it. And, and uh, Sorry, it, it exists even if we don't create it, but the definition of, of this cloud, of Kalad Yisrael, which is only defined by the Torah, it's the Torah definition of a cloud, which is the people that have the Torah, the people that live by the Torah. And that's what really defines us as, as a cloud. And therefore, before Matan Torah, we weren't a cloud. We were a collection of individuals, even according to the Rogachava. We might have been a nation, in that we were a nation the same as any other nation. But those nations don't exist forever. No. But this nation, this concept of the Kalalisha, of the Tzibur, that exists forever, because that's a concept that was already in the Torah, that was written that was uh, written many, many years, many, many generations before the world was created, and that Akash Baruch looked in to create the world. And we come out with that, and I think we can come out that there's two ways to look at the world. When the Rambam looked out the window, he saw real things. He saw reality. The reality is the physical things. It's the tables, the chairs, the horses, the cats. And as you go up, if we can call it that, as you go up, you get things that are less real. Of course, HaKadosh Baruch is the most real thing. That's for sure. But, but the concepts are less real. They're not real. They're only in my mind. But the reality is here. The reality is the things we can touch and feel. Whereas the Gorogotov looked out the window and he saw everything the opposite way around. Reality is the Torah. The reality is HaKadosh Baruch the reality therefore the Torah, the good that he created. Coming from that, as you go down, are things. And those things, as you go, things that are Torah concepts. The Torah concept of a tzibur, the Torah concept of a cow, you can have the Torah concept of, of a cow, the Torah concept, whatever the Torah talks about. Those things are real. And as we come into the world, we don't have the perfect example of a tzibur, we don't have the perfect example of a sukkah, we don't have the perfect example of a lulah. We can use all those examples. So the world over here is less real. What we're living in is not is much more the fiction 
than reality. And according to Rambam, what we live in is reality, and theoretical things are the fiction. Thank you for listening to My Talmud. We hope you found this episode insightful and thought-provoking. As we continue to explore the philosophical concepts of Moranabuchim and the Talmud, we encourage you to share your thoughts and questions with us. Let's continue this conversation and deepen our understanding together. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in for our next episode.